Football on Off The Ball With Sky Catch the biggest live Premier League games Every weekend on Sky Sports Alright it is Thursday evening on Off The Ball John Giles is with us as always Evening John a uh, lot to get through this week. We'll get on to the Champions League, but I did want to talk about the big game in the Premier League last night. Uh, Burnley coming from behind to beat Everton, which leaves Burnley just a point behind Everton. Everton have lost 16 of their last 21 matches. Mm. And it doesn't feel as though Frank Lampard has made any sort of an impact at all. No, it takes time, uh, Nathan. You know, when the club, is, uh, the club wasn't down by, the, uh, by just uh, being unlucky. Obviously, there was a lot of, we, as we know, there was a lot of talk about players not being brought, not good, sorry, players not being brought in mm. of the right calibre for Everton. And he's got to pick that up. It takes time, uh, Nathan. You know, sometimes you get, a, you get a bit of a surge, sometimes you don't. So, uh, you know, they went down there by accident when he took over. But I think Everton fans would expect a bit more than they've got so far from Frank Lampard. But uh, it's a big job. I understand. Job for them. I understand what you're saying, John, about it, it taking time. And you know, if you were at the start of the season and trying to build something, you could understand and give patience to a manager. But when Frank Lampard took on that job, as you say, Everton were in dire straits and they needed a bounce. Yeah. Should they have gone for somebody else, somebody with more experience of being in a relegation battle, of survival, of that sort of mindset, of of just getting results, never mind about long-term plans and style of football or anything like that? Like Frank Lampard has spent the majority of his career you know, at big clubs. This is his first real experience of this sort of scenario. Well, it is. I don't think he's ever been in a team that's been in the position that uh, Everton are in at the moment. But uh, there's only so much you can do, Nathan. You know, the, like it, it does take time uh, when you come into any new club, especially when they're in the position that Everton are in, because they're not there by accident. And there's some lads there that shouldn't be there. Uh, he's got to sort out, well, who are they? Who are the good lads? Uh, does he have time to get new players in? Um, and John, is that is that something that a more experienced manager would learn and be able to do quicker than Frank Lampard? No, I don't think so, Nathan. I mean, if you look at the managers that have there before Frank, they're all experienced managers. Benitez mm. was extremely experienced. But he couldn't do he couldn't do anything with them. Uh, whoever was there, there was a couple of managers there. But this is this hasn't happened overnight at Everton. This has been going on for a while, Nathan. And whoever was the the uh, bringing the talent in, it hasn't been good. And you wouldn't know what the spirit is like in the dressing room until you go into it. And that's what Frank is finding out. Now, he's going to be up against because of the time element between now and the end of the season before he gets a start on it and puts his own stamp on it. But it's very, very difficult. And I, I think, obviously, an experienced manager uh, would have a better chance. But they have had experienced managers there. And Frank, has a, he's, not, he's, not a, he's not a Benitez, but he's had, a, he's had a, you know, he was at Derby, did, mm. did a good job there. He, he, he got uh, Chelsea going last year. So I think he has had enough experience to know when he comes into a dressing room uh, what to do. But it's very difficult when you get a group of players who are not doing what they should be doing uh, to change them, change them so dramatically. Uh, I mean, what normally happens, in, well, what can happen in a situation, you get a manager in uh, before him who's been doing a bad job with good players. Then, then you go in and, okay, in the Frank's case, 
you take over that situation but they're good players but it's because of the manager uh, that they haven't been doing well I'm not sure that's the case at Everton I mean because they've had quite a few managers and they haven't really done well and, and a really really bad season this season it's a huge win for Burnley and maybe gives them a bit of momentum to really put the pressure on Everton and to get out of the relegation zone. Sean Dyche, I don't know if you saw his comments after the match, but they were fascinating about the turnaround at half time when Burnley trailed by two goals to one. He said, I've been down there, I know what it's like, and every season there have been tough patches for us. It's hard to explain, but sometimes you sense that a team might have lost that know-how to win a game. I said to them at halftime, I'm not sure these know how to win a game, away from home particularly. I told them we've got to play on that mentality. We do it by playing forward with better quality, be more aggressive in our play. What did you make of those comments? Um, Well, the the fair comments, uh, uh, but, you know, I think when any manager talks like that, I mean, what the opposing manager say? Well, why are you down here that much? You know, why are you so low, low in the league? I think you better. I think you better say nothing, uh, uh, Nathan, in that situation. Except maybe well, we, we had a good second half. We, we kept at it. We got a good win. But that, that, that's obviously what he's saying. Obviously critical of Everton. And I, I, I always believed when, when uh, as a player and a manager, never. Criticise the opposition. You know, every dog has his day, and uh, you know the next time they play, uh, Everton might beat them three or four nil, and then then you could say, well, well, what did you think of that one? I don't think it's right. I mean, what you could say is a really good win for us. We're happy with that. I hope we get out of trouble, and uh, that'll be it. You know, like once you start, I'd never ever criticise the opposition because every dog has his day, and the next time you play them, they could get beaten five nil. And that's it. And and Sean Sean Dice is in a position. He's, I think he's done a great job. He'd be he'd be managing my, in the running for manager of, of the year for quite a few years, and what he's done at Burnley. But I think it's better just say no. We had a good win, good day. That's us. Never, never, I never ever believed in talking about the opposition at all. It was surprising that he said that publicly when there is still so much of the season to go. Uh, maybe not so surprising that he would say it behind closed doors because I assume you have been in dressing rooms where you've been behind at half time and you have sensed actually that the team we're up against are low in confidence. Yeah, they've managed to get in front of us, but if we can get one back mentally, maybe they'll fold. Oh, no doubt about that, Nathan. You know, I've been in dressing rooms where you come in at half time and say, what the hell are we behind here? This team is rubbish. But that's that's in the dressing room among ourselves to help to win the match. Like, but you wouldn't say it after the match. You wouldn't say, "Well, we got together at half time and said this this team was rubbish." You know, you just do it. But 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 definitely in, in the dressing room, you'd say a lot of things. Like, what are we doing? We're playing rubbish. We, we're playing rubbish. Let's get let's get going. You know, that, that's that's in your own dressing room, and what what you say in the dressing room stays in the dressing room. But we were talking about talking about the opposition after the match because you won. You know, every dog has his day, uh, Nathan, and, and you just go with it and say, yeah, Art, talk about your own team. Well, Sean Dice has said, look, we, we, we got together at half-time, we felt we could win this match, we did well in the second half, and, and we're delighted with the win. End of story. As I say, the momentum with Burnley with that win, does Everton's quality mean you think that they'll still have enough to just about survive? Or would you look at Everton in that form and you can't say they're too good to go down because listen, if they're fourth from bottom having lost seven of the last 10, 16 of 21, they're clearly not too good to go down. But do yeah. they have enough? Do they have enough still to survive? 
I don't know, Nathan, because you don't know what's going on in the dressing room. You don't know what Frank said after the match. Uh, you don't know what he said to them. Uh, you know, because when you're in a situation like that, you get a lot in the dressing room that, that, that usually the mouthier ones are the ones not doing their stuff. And he, he's only finding that out now. Who's, who is what? Who is who? Who's the good lads? Who are the bad lads? It, it, Frank, how long has he been there? Six, seven matches or something like that? You know, it, it's, it's not enough time, first of all, to sort out who are the, who are the bad lads, who are not going to do it. And then when you do that, you've got to get rid of them. And that's, that's, there's two big steps there, uh, Nathan, to get it right. You know, he won't be... We don't know what Frank said to them after the match. You know, he obviously wasn't pleased because mm. they, they, they lost the game to, to one of the, the rivals at the bottom of the league. We don't know what he said. We don't know what, what he thinks. But he's only finding out about them. That's for sure. And, and, and he doesn't have much time to do it. He's in big trouble. And they don't have much time to get ready for their next match either. An early start on Saturday. Manchester United next up for Everton and Manchester United having their own issues uh, still. It looks as though Eric Ten Hag is the man. The current Ajax manager is going to be the one to come in over the course of the summer and try and guide United through. Well, I think it's a five-year plan he seems to have put in front of the Manchester United board. I assume like the rest of us, maybe not seen a huge amount of Ajax, but what's your reaction to his likely appointment as manager? Um, for, for him to appoint the manager? No, for him for his appointment. Oh, for no, Ten Hag, it hasn't worked. The interim manager, it definitely hasn't worked. I mean, if you go back to to, to last week, uh, well, one of the matches against Leicester, I mean, they were terrible, mm. and they actually started with Pogba and Fernandez up front. It is it is incredible how um, we get back to Ten Hag, but it's incredible how mm. Rangnick has made no. It feels as though he's made no impact at all on their performances. No, I don't think he has. Uh, and uh, to be honest, Nathan, I didn't fancy he would, not him, but anybody that goes in as an interim manager. We might have spoken about this before, but in my experience in football, uh, if you're with an interim manager, it means there's a good chance he won't be there next year. Mm. Right. So the, the attitude can be, whether you're, whether you're conscious of it or not, why should we be putting everything in for this guy? Because, you know, how do you build morale in a team? In my experience, it was Don Rivian. You have to believe he's going to be there every year. You know, that we're all together. This is the morale. This is what we do. But if you think, well, he's not going to be there next year, and he starts giving you a telling off, well, it's, it's, it doesn't mean you're going to do anything about it. Then you're talking about contracts. I've got to play for him. And, and, and not just the contracts, but it'd be having a team and having a morale. And if you don't believe that you're going to be there forever, then you can't have that morale. So there'll be a lot of players at Manchester United, and he could say, well, I don't agree with you. Then they wouldn't take any notice. And it might not necessarily be a conscious thing, but an interim manager is an interim manager. And it's obviously he's not going to be there next year. So the players think, well, why should I play for him? You know, and there's, there's one other thing on, on the Manchester United situation. They've just given Fernandes a new contract, a new three-year contract, yeah. I believe, Nathan. That's before the new manager comes in. Mm. So who's making the decisions on that? That's what they've been doing for the last three years without a manager, uh, with, with Manchester United, in my opinion. But that shows you up. I mean, if you wanted a new manager to do it in the right way, in my opinion, you'd say, well, we can't give you a new, new contract because we'll have to wait the new man comes in and let's see what, he, what you're doing. Does he agree with that? You know? 
So it's been a mess at Manchester United all the way round. The interim manager has been a, been a disaster for them. Uh, the way it's happened, he hasn't made any contribution at all. I think they're worse now than when he came in. But he wasn't. He was and is an interim uh, manager. So you know they've got to get and should have got a, a proper manager in now. I mean, if you hop on to, to Spurs situation... Well, well, on, no. on, on that, just before we talk about yeah, okay, Spurs sorry. and Conte, yeah. because it, like we've spoken over the last few months about the possible options, and you've stroke, spoken strongly in favour of uh, Conte, uh, Thomas Tuchel, we've talked about Mauricio Pochettino. It looks as though Manchester United aren't going to go with any of them, that they're going to go with Eric Ten Hag of mm. Ajax. Yes, well, I, well, I think he's done a good job there, Nathan. Mm. But he wouldn't be as well known as the, player, the the managers that you just mentioned. He could be a top manager. I don't know. I think he's done a good job at Ajax, uh, but he wouldn't have proven himself as much as the managers we remember, Pochettino or uh, Conte, uh, the, the managers that you just mentioned there. Particularly Conte. You know, I definitely think they could have got Conte. But there was a statement from somebody, one of the officials at United, that uh, with the players that we have here. Uh, we don't think that they would suit him. <laughs> you know, no, instead of the other way around. I mean, if, if, if you go in as, as Conte, uh, it doesn't matter what the players are, that he does his job in the way he wants to do it with those players. But what he was saying was, these play- he, he, he wouldn't be good for the players that we have. You know, I mean, this is nonsense, Nathan. I mean, it's up to Conte to go in and do his stuff there and see what the players do. Not, you can't say, well, the players we have wouldn't suit him. He's he's doing his stuff at Tottenham. There's no yeah, doubt about that. Yeah. Five wins in six now. They're up to fourth. Arsenal had a big setback then on Monday mm. night against Crystal Palace. They, the performance against Newcastle, we, we had live commentary of it here on Off the Ball last mm. Sunday, was as good as I've seen from Spurs maybe since Pochettino was in charge. They were outstanding defensively and in attack as well. I I assume you're putting all that down to the manager. Oh, definitely, definitely. It's no coincidence, Nathan. They're looking like a team. It's like when you see Spurs playing, they're a team. You know, and and against Newcastle, probably a special day. They played exceptionally well, and Newcastle were poor. But they're a team. You can see, looking at them, they're all playing with each other. They're getting back. They're getting forward. They're doing all the things that teams should be doing. That doesn't happen by accident. The opposite happens. You see what you see at Manchester United, Pogba and Fernandez are not kicking a ball. The other players are not kicking a ball. That, that, that's, 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 what, that's why you have a manager in the team. That's what the good ones do. After a few weeks, he's been there for a couple of months now, mm. uh, Conte. You can see a difference in them. Now, you get the, they get a lot at, at, at United uh, now. He's been there the same... But, about the same time as, as Conte, maybe a little less. But they look worse, Nathan. Now, good managers make them look better. Give them, a, give them a certain period of time to get the message across, what they want to do, sort out the players, who have we got, who have we not got, what can I do with them. Then what, what they start with is effort. Everybody having a go. That's, that's what new managers do, the good managers, right? No matter what you do, you have a go. Everybody's a go. And he soon sorts them out. And, and if you look at Spurs over the last few matches, they're looking more and more like a team. And that's what happens. Probably I'll be checking in with someone every now and then. After we, we imploded in the league last year, I wasn't right for yeah. a long time. Keep up to date with the latest WSL action and the biggest interviews. Subscribe to the Koi Gig podcast stream on the OTV Sports app now. It's uh, been a brilliant turnaround as well for Matt Doherty, who 
looked as though he was almost certainly on his way out of the club had played very little football this season yet has played on the right hand side of the four in midfield has played on the left hand side last week it's uh, it's some some story in how he's managed to win Antonio Conte over well that happens Nathan you know because when when you when any manager going into a club you have your own ideas of what players are like and I found that myself going into management at West Brom I played against him I said well I know what he's like I know what he's like and when I went in, I mean, some of the players that I thought were really good players weren't. And some of the players I thought were no good were good. You have to see them play. And, and Doherty's a good player, and, and, and he's recognised that and put him in the team, and he's doing well. That happens. Because you're going into the club, you don't know. You have, you have an impression of... It's like Frank Lampard going into everything. He has an impression of what the players are like. But he has to see them play. Mm. And unfortunately, some of the players I think that he thought were good are not so good. And in Conte's case, it's the same. Like, as I say, he didn't pick Doherty at all early on. But he's come to realise when he's given him a chance, oh, this guy is better than I thought he was. That's why you need the time at the club, Nathan, to, make, to sort out those particular players. Might look at the Champions League then over the last couple of nights and Chelsea. Jeez, it's been a tough week for Chelsea and for Thomas Tuchel taken apart by Brentford in the Premier League at the weekend and then last night it was the Karim Benzema show against Real Madrid anything obvious as to what's gone wrong with Chelsea in these two games? Um, well, I think you'd have to bring the, the war situation into it Nathan you know the, the, cl- the clubs in bits the owners that they're selling or they're trying to get a new owner in uh, I mean looking at it from the outside you, you, I would think it shouldn't really affect the team and, and, the, and, and the, the team manager. But I think it does. I think it does. I mean, it's, it's Brentford beat them easily in mm. the other day. I mean, these are really bad results for, for a Chelsea team that have been going places with Tuchel only going in last year. So I, I'd say it, it has some... Well, I guess it's, it's only natural as well because nobody quite knows what is going to happen next with Chelsea and it was the initial shock of... Uh, the various um, implications and not being able to sell more tickets and they've worked ways around a lot of them but I'm sure a lot of those players have long-term contracts and have plans for the future that are very much up in the air at the moment and that's any little change like that is going to have a big impact on their life on the pitch as well. Yeah, there's, there's, no, there's no, no, you said it better than me, uh, Nathan, because it, it's, it, 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 it teams going well and, and any football club, it's, it's, the morale is very fragile you know, mm. and you would think from the outside that what's happening in, in, in this war situation, it wouldn't matter. But it, but, but, but it does. And I think it, it has and is having an effect on Chelsea and the players and the manager. Do they have a problem with the personnel as well, though, as we get towards the end of the season in that they spent an enormous amount of money to bring Romelu Lukaku to the club. We know the issues that were there over the Christmas and the interview and he didn't seem happy with the system and all the fallout. Uh, Timo Werner hasn't kicked on. There has been no step up in the second season. He still seems a striker totally devoid of confidence. And you look at their formation last night that really feels they're lacking that quality at the top end of the pitch that you need in the latter stages of Europe. Yeah, definitely. And they've had, what, three or four strikers and none of them are really doing it. I think that's why they went for Lukaku last year. And he's been a very, he's been a huge disappointment. Uh, I did read one of, the, I think one of the papers this morning, where it said that uh, Tuchel wasn't really convinced about him before they got him, <laughs> which, which is not a good sign, you know. Mm. Like you have to be in, say, well, this is my man, this is what I want to do. 
so it, it, it might be shown a little bit that Tuchel didn't really have all the authority that you might expect him to have in this particular situation, Nathan. You know, I mean, Abramovich has interfered before. In, in, I remember reading over the years, even when, when uh, Mourinho was there. So there could have been an influence that from the, from the coach or, the, or whatever the manager, whatever Tuchel is, that he wasn't convinced about um, Lukaku. And if, the, if that was the case, then it's no surprise that when uh, the, the Lukaku comes in and is not doing what he wants him to do uh, for, for, for to end up the way it is. Because when you spend, what was it, 100 million? Mm. You know, like you sh- you, as a manager or a coach in Tuchel's case, you shouldn't be making a mistake about that, Nathan, you know? I'd imagine there were a couple of performances last night you enjoyed in that game. Luka Modric, every time you feel maybe there's a dip happening, he turns up in a massive game and just runs the show. And likewise, Karim Benzema, who at 34, you know, he could make an argument, is maybe the best player in the world right now in how he can influence a match, a hat-trick, a second consecutive hat-trick in the Champions League. It does go to show that we can write players off a little bit too early and maybe underestimate players as well. Well, yeah, he's been a good player for for a number of years, uh, Benzema, as we know. But he, he but he was playing with uh, Ronaldo for a long time at uh, in Madrid, and, and Ronaldo was the centre forward. Mm. Now you don't have two centre forwards. I mean, in other words, Benzema had to find another place to play, which wasn't his natural position. And I don't think it's any coincidence that since he's playing in his natural position, he scored more goals than ever before. Uh, you know, there's no doubt. I mean, he's, he's, he's two goals, the first two goals uh, yesterday were, were, were absolutely brilliant, the headers. You know, and he's been a good player for a long time. But I think he was in the shadow of Ronaldo and maybe playing in a different position that was his natural position or his best position. I guess it's an easy answer, but when you look at him, is he, is he one of the great goal scorers? Well, I think if you look at his record, you can only go on the record of goal scorers. Mm. And he's up there. There's no doubt. I mean, he's in the French team. He scored, and he scored in lots of goals for the French team as well. I mean, as you know, we had to spell out for for for, for different reasons uh, in the French team. But he's come back into it, and he's scored and got more, more goals than ever before. So he's definitely doing his stuff, Nathan. All our football here on Off The Ball is brought to you by Sky. It is the big one. Manchester City against Liverpool. Super Sunday. It's live on Sky Sports. Uh, I don't know if it's exactly going to be the defining game of the season, John, because there's still a long way to go. But like, yeah. these games have always tended to deliver over the last three or four seasons. Enormous quality. Uh, they've both got into it on the back of victories in the Champions League, albeit in different ways against very different opposition. Uh, Manchester City, was it was a hard game to analyse, it felt, because you sort of knew from the outset what Atletico Madrid were going to do, which was sit back and allow Manchester City to have the ball. That's how it played out. And City didn't create an awful lot until Phil Foden came in and you know made a massive impact. Were you impressed by the patience that Manchester City showed against that Atletico Madrid side? Yeah, well, obviously they've got great qualities, uh, uh, City, and they, they they keep possession of the ball, and they keep playing and keep playing. But I I think there should be more penetration uh, from them, Nathan, with the with the amount of possession that they have. You know what I find is that you know if you, if you've got two wings like Grealish and Mares were playing the other night, I mean the idea of midfield players is you know get the ball, get forward, and get it out to these guys, and then expect them to do their stuff from there. 
And that doesn't happen with City. You know, it, it comes out to Grealish, he gets on his right foot, and he passes it back. And then it goes across the pitch to Marez. And instead of taking him out, comes back again. So there's a lot of possession without any, without any real danger. I mean, when Foden came on, he, he, he was one of the players, to, he beat a player before he laid on the pass for De Bruyne, De Bruyne to score. But the, the, I think it's, it's, I don't think they've anybody really taken anybody on. I mean, in the middle of the field, you've got Rodri. And I find Roddy, Roddy's an A to B man. You never see, it's very seldom scores a goal, very seldom makes a goal. He gets the ball and he's passed it sideways, gets it back, passes it sideways again. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fine having possession, but there has to be an end product uh, more so than City are actually doing at the moment. So, how do they go about doing that? Because they clearly have a huge amount of quality attacking players whether it is Riyad Mahrez, Raheem Sterling, they had Grealish and Foden to come mm. off the bench, De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, Gundogan. Mm. How is it that, that that cutting edge that you maybe feel is lacking at the moment isn't there with those players on the pitch? Well, I, 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 I think, I mean, Guardiola has been a great manager. I think he, he should insist that when it does go to Grealish, take him on, or, or any of those, whether it be Sterling or anybody else. I think it's too easy to stop out of it in Grealish's case with his right foot, pass her inside again, and it's keeping possession. I think there's much too, much too much emphasis on keeping possession rather than when you get there, you've got to take them on. You know, you might get a corner kick, but you might beat them. But you have to do that. You can't start all over again. And, and, and there are a lot of stats now where you say, well, City had, you know, 75% possession of the ball. But you can do that without taking the people on. You go back and you go sideways. and you go. I think they just need to do more than that. And, of course, as we know, they're lacking a major striker. They tried to get Harry Kane. They didn't get him. You know? but, the, but, but I think there's, there's too much emphasis on, on keeping possession of it uh, instead of times. I mean, if you take Liverpool, for example, they don't, they don't you know, when it goes to, to, to Salah, any of these players, they're taking them on straight away. So it's it's going to be fascinating at the weekend to see 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 see, see this particular match. I, I, at the moment, now I'd have a fancy for Liverpool to do it. I think there's more about them in in, in being more direct than City are. But it'll be a fascinating match. But Great. again, when it goes to Grealish, I mean, I go to my, my own experience. Leeds, when we play Billy Bremner himself in midfield, it was our job to get the ball, get it forward, get it out to Eddie Gray up here tomorrow, and then then they had to do their stuff from there. That's what you got the you got the ball to them there to take them on. In Peter Dunham's case, he didn't take him on, but he had such a good right foot. He'd make half a yard, and he'd whip across, across, across the goal, Nathan. You know, but that's the end product of what you've done in the build-up. I mean, if you give it to Peter Dunham, and he comes back out and gives it to Billy Bremner, and Billy comes to me, and he goes to Eddie Gray, and then back again and again, you're not really making any progress in, mm. in doing that. You have to have the people who are wired to be taking people on. And that hasn't been happening with City until Foden came on the other night. Well, is Foden the exception then? Because you think back to that game earlier this season at Anfield between Liverpool and City and Foden was just exceptional and, and always seems to be the man for City in the biggest matches who can inject that bit of pace or the turn at the right time or the the perfect pass at the right time. And we, we saw him do that again. The superlatives are all out there for Foden even this week some of the post-match conversations saying he could go on and become the greatest English player of all time is he at that level is there that much potential in Phil Foden I think the potential is there definitely he can he can beat players like he did in a very very close quarter the other day to lay the ball on for the brain and that was a brilliant thing to do he took it you know made the space and he can do that and he can score goals himself so he has the potential uh 
So we just have to wait and see because you never know what young players, Nathan. You know, they can go straight. Anything can happen. I've seen it happen so many times in my life. You know, players that were brilliant, brilliant players. And then you'd say after a few years, they haven't really done it. Uh, he's got to look after himself. He's got to be the pro that he should be. Uh, and he definitely has the, the all the the equipment to be a really, really, really top-class player. What about Liverpool then, before we wrap up? Uh, Mo Salah, some questions about his form, maybe his fitness as well with the sheer amount of football that he has played this season, uh, both for club and for country. It, it did feel that he, on Tuesday night, was a little bit off his control, was sloppy at times, obviously missed a couple of big opportunities as well. Like, would you have any questions going into... Sunday of of his place in the team or where he where he is form wise in such a crucial part of the season. Well, it's, it's only the last two matches, Nathan, that he hasn't played as well as he can play, and he, he's been at the, what was it, the World Cup or whatever he was abroad, mm. and all the travelling. It's too many matches for him. I think it's just tiredness. Like they're only human beings, footballers, as we know, and and to be travelling around the world and playing a match and then coming back and they expect to do it again. It, playing football at any level, but particularly at the level that he's playing at, it's not easy, Nathan. You know, you can't, you don't just turn up there. You have to be free. You have to be fresh. You have to be ready. And, and I think they've just some of the players, most of them, particularly Salah now recently, have been playing too, far too many matches, far too many matches. And I don't. I think it's 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 just a couple of games because of the tiredness that he that he hasn't played as well as he can. But I think he'll be back if he gets that rest now. Is it, is it Sunday, Nathan? Yeah, Sunday. Yeah, I think of you know a fresh Salah will be back, back to his best and be as dangerous as 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 ever he's been. All right, we'll have plenty to talk about on that game on next Thursday's show, John. Great stuff as always. Thanks, Nathan. And a reminder: you can listen to that game live here on Off the Ball on Sunday show. Football on Off the Ball with Sky. Get more of the sports you love on Sports Extra with BT Sport and Premier Sports.